0: All right. Welcome everyone to Acumen's podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest today, Alan Weber, who joins us from the UK. Um, Alan has been a pillar of our, our Acumen leadership team for the last six plus years now, joining in 2016. Alan, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. All right. And Alan uh, builds upon close to four decades or more than four decades of experience in the aviation industry. Uh, mainly in the power plant or engine engineering and maintenance uh, areas of the business, uh, he brings with him uh, leadership uh, experience in 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 many uh, large bl- brands in uh, the aviation industry, including British Airways, Volvo Aero, Rolls Royce, and um, as well as I believe Virgin Atlantic as well. So. And in those, in those years, Alan has worked on more than 150 plus engine types and models, uh, Alan is that correct? I would think so, I've
1: never really counted it, but all the large turbofan engines and uh, some
0: military helicopter engines as well. Awesome, so I, I, I'm sure it crosses 150 for in, in that number, so excellent. And um, since 2016, Alan uh, has been with Acumen uh, and, and he's had senior positions leading the power plant expertise. Uh, team uh, and currently works as the CTO of services where he actually leads uh, four, four, five different business verticals including technical asset management, uh, due diligence services, data management, uh, training and uh, as well as camo. Right? So he's been instrumental in uh, getting our services uh, uh, expanded and scaled up to meet the evasion needs. and. Still remains grounded to, to engines at, at the heart, so Alan.
1: Certainly, yeah. yeah. I, think, uh, a, I think I'm a i am think I'm a died-in-the-wool uh, power plant engineer. I, I was a power plant apprentice, and uh, so it always stays with you, and it's
0: my probably my my first love. Excellent. So um, in in today's podcast, we are going to uh, pick Alan's brains a little bit on the engines, which is uh, his his love and uh, you know for life. Uh, and uh, we'll ask some questions to Alan and, and hear his opinions out uh, and you know, it, we would love some candid answers from Alan uh, and, and see him, what his viewpoint is uh, on, on the evolving scenario in aviation. So you ready Alan? Let's go. Alright, so let's, let's talk uh, a little bit about the evolution of the engine technology uh, that you witnessed. Now you just mentioned you've been an apprentice uh, four decades back. And obviously the engines were very different then so can you tell us a little bit more about the evolution that you witnessed and what what we can expect in the future
1: yeah certainly I mean I think the basic architecture has stayed the same really up until the latest generation um, what we have seen is increasing reliability and if you think back to the 737 uh, 100s and 200s where they were powered by JT8s um, they had a uh, bypass ratio of about 0.96 to one and so the the Cfm 56 7b you're looking at a bypass ratio of six to one so you have this massive um, change also in terms of the maintenance back then uh, we used to have uh, hard time engines shifting to on-condition maintenance and you've now got engines that last before when they lasted 8 thousand hours and now they can run to LLP life you can see engines running 30,000 hours of no problem at all. So I think that the, to a large extent the, um, the involvement of power plant engineers has changed from the shop to more in terms of management mm-hmm. of the engines and that is uh, it's a little bit sad because we all like to be close to the engines and the parts and that sort of stuff. and. Fewer shop visits. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there there are many more engines in the market today than there were four right. decades ago.
0: Right, awesome. And and you just mentioned a little bit about the maintenance of the engines. And and <clears throat> I I I know for a fact that maintenance of engines is probably way more complex than than the airframe or the other major components in the um, in the airplane. Um, as as far as the life on engines, a life of engines is concerned, and it's subjected to so many. Uh, operating parameters. Uh, walk us through a little bit on how that has evolved, and and you just mentioned a little bit about the on-condition maintenance, and now you know the reliability going up to uh, even higher. Um, what are your opinions on the on the maintenance philosophies um, uh, currently in use, and what do you see probably changing in the future? Yeah, I think it's <coughs> interesting. There's a bit of a paradox, really, in that um, in the. Back
1: in the old days, we'd have hard time engines, and we were throwing away money because, as they were becoming more reliable, we realised that uh, moving to on condition maintenance was much more cost effective. And now the OEMs have made the engines so reliable, certainly on the short haul, that now the the life limited parts are actually limiting the lives of the engines. Mm. So that's a um, there needs to be a lot more work done on life limited parts in order to grow those those lives uh, to ensure that we can get full value out of a full run of an engine and mm. um, I think that um, going forward uh, that's certainly something that the industry needs to work on in order to extract maximum
0: value out of the, the lives on the wing. Excellent and and again uh, just following up on that you, you mentioned shop visits and obviously these shop visit costs. Are are a huge element of exposure, uh, not only for the airline but for the for the lessors uh, as well. Uh, it it can result in in, uh, in in bad decisions being made. Or let me rephrase that. Maybe the decision is not bad circumstantially, but the outcome is. And uh, as as you've been instrumental in the development of the Converge application and the solution uh, within Acumen since you joined. Can you please um, elaborate a, a few of the salient features of, of that, and why you feel that applications and solutions like those are kind of the game changers in the in the in the coming days? Yeah, certainly.
1: I think that one of the problems that we have is that the um, the OEMs, although they publish expected life on wing and expected shop visit costs, they are at very specific um, hour to cycle ratios and. Very specific regions. Whereas what we've found through through the data that we've collected over the years is that engines operate for different periods of time and they operate and the cost shop visit costs, vary markedly depending on where in the world they've operated and mm. the hours to cycle ratios they've operated under. So what we wanted to do was to bring that information all together to allow lessors to establish a a maintenance reserve value which would um, represent the real situation for mm. the engines or at least limit the risk or understand the risk. Right. Since the MR calculation or the MR agreed is usually a commercial decision anyway at least that allows them to assess the risk as to whether or not there's going to be funds available and how short those funds will be. Right. So we developed this statistical model and um, we now Compare real-world data to the statistical model on a on a weekly and monthly basis, mm. and uh, changes happen to the system
0: um, accordingly. Right, right. And and when it re- when it comes to uh, you know the the complexity of um, you know simulating scenarios, uh, can you elaborate a little bit on that in terms of how the product helps um, in <coughs> uh, at at let's say a pre lease negotiation stage or to to kind of uh, make decisions based on not only your own experience in the industry but to kind of bounce it off as a as a sounding board on the application to to verify your numbers
1: absolutely the <coughs> good thing about it is is you can
0: um, plot the life cycle of the engine
1: over the course of the lease specific to the operation mm. and therefore you can try to work out what work scopes would be most appropriate, right. when you'd um, replace LLPs, and certainly on long-haul um, engines, whether or not you would um, replace LLPs or mm. whether you would go for um, part-life LLPs. Right. And then look at what the residual value for those engines would be at the end. Mm. And you can only do that if you can uh, forecast in a, in a pretty robust way Right. based on real-world data and then at the end of that come up with a value which helps not only the financing side but also helps you to manage the risk through the whole life cycle of the engine.
0: Right, that's, that's awesome and um, you know in now the pandemic has, has played a massive role and just shifting gears towards what's happened in the industry in the past two years um, do you see, do you see lessor strategies in terms of engine management um, remain the same or have they changed and and if they have, how, how drastically have they changed over the past two years? Yeah, we've seen quite a lot of change really. Um, sadly for
1: a power plant engineer to not see any operation and any shop visits for two years, um, it's quite an unbelievable situation. Mm. So we had a lot of engines around the world parked and now what we're seeing is there's more of a situation of rather than having shop visits to um, cycle engines through the fleet and to swap engines. And this uh, leads to a difference in, um, in our services because instead of traditional management that we would do in the past, we're now looking more advisory services mm. on comparing the replaced engine within, with, the, with the new engine. Right. And where that uh, leads in terms of where the engine is in its life cycle where that's going to leave the engine at the end of the lease as mm. well. So there's quite a lot of difference. Um, it's a much more um, prediction work rather than physical work in the shop nowadays. Right. That,
0: that's a shame, right?
1: It is a shame. <laughs> well, I, I feel it's a shame because we, <laughs> we, um, we want to, to... We're all curious, I think, about what an engine looks like on the inside right. after it's been operating uh, into various different environments. Right. Okay.
0: And uh, then to cap it off, um, of course, I I uh, for the audience who doesn't know, Alan does have a crystal ball. So, <laughs> what what does your crystal ball show in terms of the ultra short haul? Um, you know the the intercity, intra city, uh, EV tall um, technology coming up, and and then you know the the engine technology. Um, you know sustainable aviation fuel hydrogen sales there's so much talk about all this improvement in technology um, uh, what, what's your take on that and, and where do you see uh, probably the most promising aspect and probably uh, not so promising uh, aspect of the engine uh, industry going forward
1: I'm really excited about the next stage really we we had a change in architecture when we moving for the large, uh, large turbofan engines separating the fan from the LPT. Mm. And now we're looking at you know, how we can make flights more green. Mm. So that's the two areas of interest really are battery-powered engines for the short, right. short-haul operations and hydrogen engines for long-haul. Um, and I think that there are significant technical problems associated with those particularly with hydrogen fuel since hydrogen naturally exists as a gas so we would need to cool it down to (laughs) minus 250 degrees Celsius which is sort of that 400 and 450 degrees minus Fahrenheit in order to um, to turn it into a liquid and keep it keep it like that right however uh, I, I confidence in the OEMs and in engineers generally to overcome those technical problems. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that we will be seeing uh, zero carbon engines in the next 20 years. Would you like to work on some of them? I'd be fascinated <laughs> to work on those engine types. I don't. I, once again I think the architecture <coughs> would remain the same, yeah. you would not have to do a lot um, to the engines themselves, mm-hmm. um, but in terms of the fuel storage and fuel delivery. I think that would be a really
0: interesting concept to work on amazing so uh, I think I've, I've kind of come to an end although there would be so many questions more uh, I would encourage the audience to kind of uh, listen in to the podcast reach out to us and and share more questions if you uh, if you have one um, I'm, I'm sure you do so please don't hesitate to send us across your questions um, Alan Thanks for being here, uh, I'm, I'm so glad to have caught you uh, uh, for this podcast, uh, it's, it's been on our minds for, for a couple of years but having you in person is, is way more better than having you on, on, a, on a Zoom or a Teams meet. So and That's my pleasure Amaya, it's nice, nice to be uh,
1: back in Bangalore after two years and uh, hopefully uh, the world will get back to
0: normal and we can, we can all start using, using the aviation world again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, that's the end of the podcast, uh, guys. Uh, Thank you for tuning in and also stay tuned for the next one coming up very soon. We'll have another excellent colleague and and veteran of this industry uh, joining us in the next podcast. So watch this space, guys. To know more, reach out to us at sales at acumen.ero or support at sparta.ero.
1: We would be happy to assist.